Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, edtech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello and welcome to the Teacher Cast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury and this is the Jeff Bradbury Podcast. Each and every week we're going to be having conversations with interesting and amazing educators and learning how they are helping transform the world of education. If you're an educational content creator, author, blogger, speaker, this is that podcast for you where we will be deep diving into all of the tips and tricks that make educational technology run, educational entrepreneurs be successful, and we're going to give you the tips and secrets of how you can do it for yourself. And welcome back to this show. It has been a while since we recorded a Jeff Bradbury show. It has been months. But over the last few weeks, we've had an opportunity to dust it off. We're working on a brand new TeacherCast Educational Network website, brand new podcasts, and there's a lot of great things happening this year on TeacherCast. I want to say thank you guys for being a part of the journey and once again, making TeacherCast part of your professional development. This week, we have a fantastic educator, entrepreneur, edupreneur, speaker, podcaster, keynoter, you name it, this guy has done it all. He has been a supporter of TeacherCast pretty much since day one. He's been on more shows than anybody else. And I'm looking forward to you hearing our interview today with the one, the only, the fantastic Adam Bellow. We're going to be talking, of course, about all the great things that are happening this week at FETC, where 10,000 educators are going to be getting together to listen to 600 workshops, all in the name of how can we move that needle and how can we create an amazing culture of digital learning. So stick around. I hope you guys like that interview. And I hope you guys have a chance to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. There's, of course, many great things that you can find over on the TeacherCast Educational Network. Our Instructional Coaches Network is booming these days. We support that by our Facebook group, our LinkedIn group, and a group over at K12 Leaders. You can check out all that information over at askthetechcoach.com. And before we get into our interview, I want to say thank you to our friends over at the Teach Better Network. This podcast, Ask the Tech Coach, and Digital Learning Today are all members of the Teach Better Podcasting Network. So check it out today over at teachbetterpodcast.com. My guest today began his career as a high school English teacher. He has been all over the map of education, going from English teacher to director of technology, working as the founder and CEO of EduTecher, founder and CEO of EduClipper. He was a presidential innovation fellow on the board for EdCamp Foundation. And he is also the CEO and co-founder of a fantastic company called Breakout EDU. I want to bring on to the show today my good friend, Adam Bello. Adam, how are you today? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing well, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, always nice to see your face and hear your voice. So uh, yeah, I'm doing, doing just fine. I am excited about having you on today. We've, of course, been talking for 12 years now. Can you believe you were actually on one of the first 10 episodes I ever did? <laughs> I, I believe that. I, I know. I, I think we've we've crossed paths many, many, many times over those 12 years, but, you know, both in person and then just chatting on the phone and whatnot. So it's uh, it's a long journey. <laughs> it's a lot of conferences. 
It's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of, you know, hey, did you like that Star Wars movie? And and, and everything <laughs> in between. We talked a little bit here, you know, English teacher to co-founder of several major things. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you in, in just a week or two here at FETC, where you're going to be doing some great sessions. Uh, one of the things that, that Jen Womble talked about on the show recently was the fact that you guys are going to be doing your panel again, you and Leslie Fisher and uh, Adam File is Adam File this year. Yep. And you've also got a couple other things. You're going to be doing some stuff at the Expo Hall. You're going to be doing TechShare Live. You're going to be doing a, a thing for entrepreneurs. What makes FETC this year so special? 10,000 people are going to be there all at the same time, 600 sessions. Why go back every year? I mean, for me, it's easy. I think it's it's the people. It's the vibe of the conference. I feel like it's it, – I would say it's it's remained unchanged. I think it's gotten better uh, over the last several years. And I think a lot of that credit is is due to the organization. You know, Jen Womble has been – uh, stalwart and just an absolute consummate professional was one of those people I just have a lot of respect for always looking for new ways to engage the audience always looking for new ways to engage and make the experience better so uh, for me it's it's really about making continued connections with people it's about you know getting to learn new things getting to kind of expose myself to ideas that I hadn't seen or heard yet uh, and then it's the people really it's building that network it's all that stuff that we've you know we've talked about over the last 12 years but also just like it's a great event and it's it's nice. It starts in the first uh, you know, the first month of the year. So you're able to kind of implement things. If you're a classroom teacher, you're able to take something back and like put it into play. So uh, it's really it's just a phenomenal event. And uh, it's also, you know, not going to lie, leaving the northeast in the middle of the winter to head to Florida. Not a bad gig either. But uh, no, it's, it's really all about the people and the learning. I have enjoyed putting some shorts in the. Uh... In the suitcase <laughs> as I start to get packed here. I, I, I know I'm looking forward to getting down there, doing a little Mickey Mouse action and having some fun with everybody. Uh, what do you do during a con a conference? I mean, I know you've got your sessions. Are you one that uh, you know roams the hallways? Are you staying in the vendor hall? You know, talking EdTech found co-founder to EdTech co-founders. Like, what what does a typical conference look like for Adam? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. And I think it's changed over the years. I mean, when I first started going to conferences, it was literally like, you know, like most people that first go, I wanted to jam my time um, with as many sessions as possible. And then I think you learn very quickly that that's not only a stressful experience, but it's also not really making the most out of everything, because learning from people doesn't just happen when listening to one speaker or a panel or whatever. So um, what it looks like these days is, is really a kind of a blend of everything you said. What uh, what I do when I'm not presenting is a mix of going to the vendor floor and seeing what's out there and talking to people that are in the space, uh, taking meetings with customers that that use Breakout and kind of getting some uh, feedback from folks that that are customers and and you know prospective customers as well, and really also a lot of of going to sessions to see what people are talking about in related fields. So yeah. some of it is about gamification and hearing about how other tools and products are being used in classrooms. And then the other piece of it that I really enjoy learning about is something that I'm interested in, because you know, when we, when we throw around the term lifelong learner, as, as you know, everyone in the space does, that's not true unless you're actively trying to learn something new. So I always try to go to at least one or two sessions uh, throughout the conference that is just like, hey, I don't know anything about this. I know it's a big trend or it's a buzzword or it's like something new. And I try, I try to pick speakers that I have not heard from before because it's a very easy trap to go in and listen to your friends or listen to people that you've heard, you know, years on end. Not that they're, that, I mean, they're wonderful for a reason, 
but I always like to hear new voices and hear like, Hey, what's the angle here from a speaker I haven't heard from. So it's, it's a blend of that. And then a lot of walking the, the hall and saying hello to friends and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I do have day-to-day responsibilities, so I'll, I'll sneak in a meeting here or there and make sure I'm keeping up with the uh, work emails, but it's a busy experience. And I think as it is for everybody, you, you kind of make it, uh, make it work for yourself. One of the sessions that is a highlight of the conference every year is your tech share live. Take us through the genesis of that. How did that all come together? Yeah. So tech share has been going on longer than I've been involved with that session. So uh, I know it started about 15 or 16 years ago. Hmm. It was originally a, called a brown bag shootout. Um, I think Leslie Fisher, I think is the only person that was involved in all of them. And then uh, when I came and I actually was a, a, a you know, a viewing participant of that session for several years before being asked to kind of join the uh, join the ranks. But uh, for the last several years, I've been really blessed to to kind of get to present with Leslie Hall Davidson and uh, Kathy Schrock. And it's been one of those things that I looked forward to every single year. We've made some changes on the panel. You know, we have we have Adam File, who's a dear friend of mine as well. And it's going to be wonderful to have him on the panel as well. It'll be the, the three of us, Leslie, myself and, and Adam. Not going to be weird with two Adams and me being confused every time you hear my name. But that's how the session started. And, you know, that there there is one piece of it. Like I kind of MC the session and it really is just a panel where everyone gets to present the latest and greatest. And I always get to learn a lot from folks on that, uh, on that panel as well. I've been known to order things during the session. I've been known to like bookmark stuff for like, Oh my gosh, I got to play with that. I never heard of that. Um, but I also do a little, uh, do a little singing in that session. I don't know what possessed me when I first started MCing to, to do a little parody song. Uh, I remember writing it the night before in the hotel room. And then every year since, that's the only place that I'll ever do it. But <laughs> you you do have this reputation for the the night before something hits you and good things happen. I remember a long time ago talking to you after you did your ISTE keynote. Uh, do I remember the story correctly? You rewrote the ISTE keynote like the night before or a couple hours before it was ready to do, to do I- that? I, it wasn't the SD keynote. It was a different, you're remembering the story correctly, but it okasn't okay. the SD keynote. It was another keynote that I was giving. And I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to basically change the whole, <laughs> the whole thing and stayed up all night and did a, did a different take. Cause I thought something else would be uh, more interesting. When, when we are going through this whole conference at FETC, there's a lot of things that I think we're looking forward to learning about, you know, artificial intelligence being a big one, um, you know, collaboration applications, things that are going to be able to be used directly tomorrow in the classrooms. As a, I don't want to even say as a business owner right now, but as an educator, what about this landscape is exciting you? Is it is it all AI? Is it the did sit stuffs of the world? Like, what is exciting to you as a teacher? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll give you the caveat of saying that I haven't been an in-classroom teacher in many years. So I, so I, you know, I give that as as a, you know, a lot of people know that, but I'm just saying that before going in. Um, what I love is like kind of how people can take the what technology offers and kind of warp that into what they want to do in the classroom. So it's a long way of saying like. I am really interested in the AI stuff. I think it's really cool. And one of the things I'm going to say at the keynote, I've been you know working on those slides and, and getting that stuff ready as well is I'm going to show off a bunch of AI stuff that I found. It's really cool that I think is really interesting. Some of the stuff my, my own children who are school age kids have been using, 
But my my real thesis on it is that, and this goes for AI, it goes for anything of that's either a buzzword or that's even a, a you know a linchpin in the education space. What excites me is the stuff that after five minutes it goes beyond being magic or cool or plus or pro or whatever. And it goes into the category of like, oh my gosh, that's super useful in a way that I wasn't able to engage my class before or help me be engaging to my class before. Um, so that's really what I'm excited about. I've always been one to say like, hey, this consumer device has application in the education space. And I'm really looking forward to sharing a lot of those tools and also learning more about those tools as well and how teachers are using them. I, I'm glad that you mentioned what you did because my next question was leading into when you walk through that expo hall as a dad and, and yeah. we, we never take those hats off, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what I can come and bring home and daddy plays with triplets for. What are you seeing that you just can't wait to bring home and play with, with, with your kids on? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. A lot of times I'll bring home new like maker type ideas or things. Um, you know, my kids have played with probably every different variant of coding and block based coding over the years just to try it, uh, whether it be scratch, whether, you know, like like we can go through a, right. a long litany. I, I always look for stuff that my kids would put into play in their own real application. Like I try not to give them stuff where it's like, hey, I want you to play with this from my educator side of the hat to be like, what can you do with it? Um, for example, and this is just to, to go off on a tangent for two seconds, is when ChatGPT's ability for you to build your own GPT came out, um, we built two with my kids. It was like many weeks ago now, but um, they both played Dungeons and Dragons. And so the first thing we did was that they wanted to do visualizations. So we built kind of a tool for them to build their own visualizations of the worlds that they're building, you know, in their games. And that's super cool. They were able to log in and use it. And, and it was very, very, you know, they thought it was cool and interesting and creative and fun. What we did more recently, which I think is more application to school and what I'm more excited about learning about when I go to places like FETC, is how do you take that to the next step? And so what my younger son did, who's, who's 12, he, he's running this Dungeons & Dragons game. Uh, by the way, if you couldn't tell, not only am I a nerd, my children follow <laughs> suit in the lineage uh, very proudly. But um, he has friends that come over every week and they play this Dungeons & Dragons game for hours and he's the DM running the story. So he takes notes on his phone through the week. And what we did was we built a GPT tool where he's able to literally upload all of his notes with all of his characters and locations and then brainstorm with ChatGPT about like, hey, I want this action to happen during the story, but I need three other events to happen. One is a conflict between characters, one is whatever. And then using the technology as an assist to help him get creative. And he's still running the show and he's not taking it verbatim. But again, like that to me is more impressive than some of the low lower level stuff that that i've heard of application in the classroom or or the fear of like it taking all the creativity out of a process like that and, and i want to pause you right there because i know everybody listening to this right now doesn't realize adam is sitting in front of a lego ecto-1 a lego back to the future <laughs> a grogu and is that a nintendo uh a console there uh, yeah what? that's an emulator Console. I had a friend who was uh, during the pandemic to raise funds for for those who were less fortunate. They were building these in a shop, and uh, it was something that that I did as a fundraiser with them. So, yeah, it's, a, it's very nerdy. What can I say? 
but it's that nerdy stuff that keeps you innovative, right? And you know, you and I have known each other for 12 years. I've seen you go from this concept of EduTecker into EduClipper and, and you know, now obviously the work that you're doing with Breakout EDU. What keeps you going? What keeps you innovative? What keeps you being that creative entrepreneur? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that, you know, one is just I've always been the type of person that wants to scratch that creative itch and build things and brand things and come out with new ideas. But what really keeps me going specifically when talking about breakout and, and really was true with, with everything I've done previously is, you know, I look at it through the lens of my kids and, you know, their peer group. And I think about what I would love education to be. And unfortunately, sometimes that's not what I'm seeing education to be. And so, you know, build the world that you want to exist. So it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you know, how could we be creative and help drive, uh, you know, growth in the in the areas of creativity and and education that, that we uh, feel that there is a lack of. You know, it's it's no secret, and I'm not saying anything that you haven't heard me say before. You know, I've I've patterned a lot of my work and and teacher cast on really, you know, what I'm seeing around, and certainly you've been a big help of that, and. I, I will always go on record to say I always have looked at you looked at you as a older brother in this world. Do you see the Edutecker, Clipper, and Brit? Is this an evolution? Are these left turns that you make, or is this like an arc? How do you see your career over the last 10, 15 years? <sighs> um, well, first of all, thank you for the the kind words. I mean, I think that it's it's been awesome to watch what you concepted many, many, many years ago and see what you've built, um, you know, as the Jeff Bradbury empire, teacher cast empire over the last de decade plus. In terms of myself, I, I don't know. I think Edutecker really was accidental. Uh, you know, the growth of that was just the fact that I'm really into branding and building something that had what I was hopeful was a little bit of style and different than, you know, what, what others might have been doing at the time. Um, from that, the evolution of like, hey, I, I want to build something that isn't there. And then patterning, you know, the next thing, Edge of Clipper was, was really derivative from people in the ed tech space and also looking at things like Pinterest at the time and digital portfolios and saying, hey, you know, I, I, I worked at the college board at the time and was like, hey, I would love to see an alternate reality to education being digital portfolios. So that was um, that was where that came from. And then the other turns and twists along the way, I think Breakout became you know, one of those opportunities where it's like, I've never seen students more engaged than when I first started seeing them play breakout games. And we were talking about the concept of, of what breakout could be. And I think that that continues to drive me forward. I think through the pandemic, which was definitely hard for obviously everybody, but us included as a company, you know, thinking of a product that was mainly thought of as an in-person tool, you know, as you would imagine, it was not a uh, <laughs> a fruitful couple of years with the with the pandemic there. But really thinking about, all right, I'm not done. Like this type of learning can exist and can go so much further. And that's really kind of where we've been headed. So I don't know if it's evolution or left turns, but I feel like it's always like, how can I make an impact? And and really, as time has gone on, it's also helped others to make an impact. Um, you know, I work with an incredible team. The other venture, other ventures I had. Were, were more solo activities. You know, Edutecker was literally myself, you know, doing content every day. Um, that's was great. And it pushed me to learn a tremendous amount of new things. Edge of Clipper was the first time I had a team. I had a variety of different teams. I tried different situations out. Uh, ironically, one of those developers that I worked with way back when 
is now our head of technology for Breakout. So things come full circle. I think, you know, that's been nice. But yeah, I don't know if it's an evolution. It's just like kind of a, a happy accidental path that uh, continues to to go. Would you say that's a winding path? Would you say that's a an arc? <laughs> and where 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 do you see the next step in this? Is it uh, breakout just continues to evolve and evolve? Is there any other ideas that you want to talk about here? Maybe wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Always, <laughs> uh, always have good ideas. Uh, or actually, let me let me backtrack on that. I don't know if they're good, but always have ideas. <laughs> um, a lot of the ideas, though, I think you know, I've been solely threaded and focused into breakout. So. You know, a lot of the ideas we've been able to see come into play in the last um, in the last year specifically. So not not to turn it into a pitch, but like yeah. one of the things I was looking for for years was hearkening back to the games that I used to play when I was a kid. And so the games I used to play were Maniac Mansion, Space Quest, King's Quest, anything with Quest afterwards from Sierra. Um, these these were these point and click adventure games that, you know, in the recent years, working with Breakout and working on Breakout, it's like, hey, that would be the absolute coolest and and just most logical way to run these types of games. The question was, how do you build that? And, and how do you develop those things? So um, for the last two years, we've been talking about it as a concept. And then recently we launched this idea of Breakout Plus. So the team was, was you know, met the challenge with just absolute grace and ease in terms of like, all right, we're going to figure out how to build these things. And... Um, you know, so again, that was an idea that was was fresh, and we were able to kind of bring it to market. We're working on another product that's, um, you know, we're we're testing the idea of a breakout junior, um, looking at some of these other other areas where we can get kids to engage in these really rich interactive gaming elements, but also focus on building a scoped and sequenced, um, you know, curriculum aligned content uh, stream. So, a lot of new ideas that I think allow us to go further with breakout and. You know, as I say, I'm still having a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things when I look at Twitter or X, I should say, and I also just see on social or hear from teachers that are using Breakout in the classroom. For me, that keeps me going the same way when teachers were like, oh, yeah, my kids are using Edge Clipper for portfolios or, you know, using Edge Attacker to find tools or whatever it was. You know, that that keeps you going. The same, I'm sure, as people coming up to you and being like, yeah, I listened to that podcast and it was great because now I'm implementing XYZ strategy in my class. And I, I love that. Like, you know, I, I love that feeling that knows that somebody's out there doing a thing that I was just playing around in the basement with or having fun with the kids with. And, you know, suddenly it's a lesson plan or something happens. I mean, how, how do you take it? I mean, look, we, we've talked this way before, you know, because of the stuff you've done, this has happened in my life or to my family. But he, as a company owner, you must get that a lot from teachers. I mean, there's no every social media is showing off their breakout games or their breakout boxes or guess what my kids are doing with with cards and padlocks and stuff. How do you take that all in as an innovator? I, I think twofold. I think you you acknowledge the fact that that exists and it exists in part. And again, it's in small part. I have an incredible, incredible team and and colleagues and a leadership team that that moves us forward as a company. So uh, you know, I, I definitely think that the credit is shared at best and if not you know it's really to the to the credit of of the team and also to the credit of the idea being taken in to those those teachers so part of it's the acknowledgement of like yes this is being used and that's wonderful and the other part of it is is and this is how i've operated for many 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 years and i think it's actually i don't want to say it's a secret of success i think it's a secret of how i think is all right what's next like like that happened what do you do next 
because you know one presentation and and again like you know you've mentioned the ISTE keynote for a long time that was like a calling card where it's like oh yeah i did this thing and it, to me it was like the ultimate i don't <laughs> bucket list item but that's now 10 years old yeah more than 10 years old and so i think about like what have i been able to accomplish after that and still do i put in the same love and attention and care into crafting whether it be a keynote whether it be a breakout feature whether whatever it is into other things that may not have the same audience, that may not have the same appeal or the same reach, but that's my bar. And the bar keeps on getting higher and staying higher. So for me, you know, with, with Breakout specifically, acknowledging that people love it and that knowing that the furthering of those ideas can help other students that haven't used it yet or tried it yet um, really does keep everybody going, not just myself. Let's get nerdier here, if possible. And I'm going to put on my uh, I'm going to put on my admin director of hat because a, a lot of people out there are trying new things, right? Like we're going to go to FETC, we're going to find these things, we're going to play with these things. Many people don't realize that with great responsibility comes great privacy agreements. Yeah. Um, if somebody is looking to use Breakout, do they need a privacy agreement? And I'm going to piggyback that with. How do you make sure as a business owner, you're creating a product that does pass every school district's privacy agreement so you can have that maximum impact in the classroom? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So the, the short answer is we build breakout with as minimal data collection from students as possible. Um, you know, to that end, our students have to provide a username and password or they can authenticate with Classlink, with Google, uh, with Microsoft, and we're adding some other options in there as well. There is that fine line of like, we want them to have an experience that can only happen if they have an account in our platform, balanced with what can we, what's the minimum that we need to create that experience. So we make a couple of things very clear. We have a, we have a you know, very plain English terms of service and privacy policy on our website written so that anyone can understand it. Um, we do annual security checks. We do sign any DPAs that we have to, um, schools really drive that more than anything else. Like, you know, some schools will say, yeah, you know, you, you have the policy, you're keeping us safe. A lot of schools do need, you know, 2DL agreements or privacy policies. We sign all that stuff, um, you know, have no issue doing it because we've built it in such a way where we're in bounds with all of that, uh, requirements. So, you know, that's that's really the the long and the short of it. I get that it's uh, one of those very necessary, I don't want to say evils, but it's one of those necessary things right now to keep student data safe. Districts have been held hostage with, you know, uh, you know, hack agreements and stuff like that. There's there's a lot of, of messiness with that. But for us, it's it's very easy to say, hey, let's do as minimal as we can in terms of getting the data so that they can have the experience on our site and then agree to whatever we need to. We have all of these reviewed. You know, it's not like we're signing things willy nilly, but, you know, I think with all the agreements, we've been able to sign it once or twice. We've had to go back and be like, hey, you know, because some of them are pretty stringent. Go back and be like, hey, you know, just want to make you aware that this is the the difference over here. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a pain, but it's, <laughs> it's something we're happy to deal with because we know it's important. I, I I do appreciate when companies put the time into all of that. I mean, I, I you know, when I was sitting in the chair, it was, you know, reaching out to companies can you sign this will you sign this have you signed this what happens if but now the world is changing completely where due to generative ai you're not always in control of what's being put in front of students like that how is breakout 
working through, I'm, I'm trying to find the right words here, working through, dealing with, innovating around. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, where AI is in terms of your platform and, and, and is it a thing? Is it coming in? How do we use it? Um, what's your thoughts on, on, on bringing in all these extra tools that some school districts may or may not want to have in front of their kids? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, one of the things we've we've done recently was we've partnered with Adobe. So the uh, game engine, one of the things that the students could do on our site and teachers could do as well is they can build their own breakout digital games, which is super fun. It's awesome. It's obviously very creative. Um, up until last year, they had to create the content and then upload it. So you could make an image, you could you know link to a video, whatever. But now there's Adobe Express built directly into our platform. As Adobe Express has added, you know, through Firefly and all these other updates, they've added a lot of generative AI. They have taken on incredible pains to make sure that it is student safe. There is stringent blocks on content. There's also a large effort to make sure that the, the images generated are inclusive. So, you know, if you say, show me a doctor, it's not going to show you just an old white guy in a coat, that it will show different uh, ethnicities and different sexes and stuff like that. And I think that that's one of those things where it's something we don't really talk about too much with generative AI, but I think it's ultimately very important. Um, so that's number one, is that's something that's coming to break out as we upgrade the Adobe Ex uh, Express integration that we already have. So that'll be put into play. We do talk about using generative AI and talking about using AI to help with that digital creation process. I think that AI gets a lot of attention because of the creative, cool examples, or sometimes the scary examples that you're able to see. Um, for example, I listened to a quote unquote, new George Carlin special the other day that was, you know, written by an AI <laughs> who ingested all of his material. It's amazing. If you haven't heard it, definitely NSFW. But uh, yeah, anyway, I digress. For the game building, that's where we're thinking of using it. We've also done concepts about, you know, helping to build stories where I can select a location and I could select an outcome and I could select a character and it could build a story to help those that are blocked with that creativity. We've gone back and forth on whether it's something we'll implement or not, but it's something that we've talked about quite a bit. I think AI, and, and this is the, you know, a lot of TikTok videos talk about this and whatnot, but where it really will come to play for companies like ours is helping to, to kind of handle some of the tasks that are related to running the business. And so whether that's assisting our incredible customer support team with getting answers out more quickly and, you know, or whether it's uh, being able to kind of um, allow users to find help center information even more quickly, like that's where I think AI actually can come into play really quickly and not be, you know, in that gray area <laughs> of, of the creation piece. But, um, you know, I, I have very mixed feelings about it. I think it's an incredible tool. I think it's amazing to watch what quote unquote magic and the creativity that it can bring. But I also do question when when our tool specifically is focused on allowing the kids to be creative and make new games and new content, how much do we lean into technology to both augment as well as, you know, what what is the fine line between augmentation and then taking away the creativity from the person who you're asking to bring it in the first place? One of the things that I'm looking forward to seeing as we go through here is how can AI assist? You know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's no secret. I'm a big fan of the application called Notion, which is basically just a whole, you know, databases and pages and stuff. And Microsoft starting to build that into their loop platform and things. But Notion just released their question and answer where it's not enough to write down a prompt that says, you know, make me a recipe or write me a blog post. You can now talk to it and it will then find 
every single piece of content and then build its responses from that. And you can actually have the conversation with your own content. So it's almost like you're talking to yourself because it's just pulling knowledge that you yep. already have. I'm looking forward to when Google starts to pull that and I can say, you know, write me a story based on these four or five lesson plans that might be somewhere in my Google Drive somewhere or, you know, that Adam had shared with me six years ago, but I can now pull from that knowledge and I can put it all under one place. I'm looking forward to where that's now going to be a norm. And I'm hoping that's in the next year or two as, as AI starts to become more, as prompts seem to be, you know, building into things. Um, I, I got to ask, and again, I'm sorry, we're doing a little nerdy stuff here, but what does that look like in the back end? Is that just connecting a, a platform like Breakout or whoever into the chat GPT AI? And then suddenly you unlock everything. I mean, it seems to me like one day we didn't have it, then we heard about it, and then suddenly, boom, it's everybody's doing it. And here we are again now. What does that actually look like if you're going to be bringing AI into your application? And then I guess you train it on your particular niche, if it's podcasting or education or something. What does that look like from the developer standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, a developer per se, but I, you know, actually not per se. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a developer. Um the, uh, you know, what I know from the, you know, just playing with the GPT builder and stuff like that, you can provide it all the information. So I can provide it, you know, for example, we'll take the help center idea. You know, if I gave it information to our help center, if I gave it the FAQ that, that our customer service team uses, as well as some of the other information that we have, if I fed it all those things and then let it constrain its answers to the information we've, we've given it, then you literally can kind of have that as a GPT built into your site. What I'm, learning about is, and this was a device that was announced at CES the other day. Um, I don't know if you saw anything about the R1 or uh, the AI pin from human that's coming out or humane. So there's a lot of these other devices that are kind of using this um, kind of learning machine language builders. Um, and, and it's similar to AI, but I think it's one of those things where it's like a, um, you know, it, it's a large action model. Right. So that's the next kind of buzzword in this AI craze. Um, and I think that those will be the next step for kind of taking and, and using information to do something else. One thing, you know, keeping it nerdy here, one thing I'll show at TechShare, I'll give a preview of it, is this app that I, uh, and, or rather device that I uh, launched, or I did not launch it. Let me rephrase all that. Uh, <laughs> it's a device that I invested in through Kickstarter a couple months ago. I saw this online and I was like, eh, this sounds really cool. It's called Plod. I don't know if you've seen this thing before, but basically it, it sticks on the back of your phone. And so I have this little device here. And if I'm having a phone call, if I'm having a meeting, I could just hit one button and it'll start recording the audio for that. Hmm. And then it will give me both transcriptions. It will give me summaries. It will give me mind mapping and a whole bunch of other uh, pieces because it is running it through a local chat GPT uh, piece. And there's tons of other devices that are doing similar things. What I love about this is, you know, bringing it back to the education component, kind of coming full circle, right? This is AI, this is gadgety, this is nerdy, this is quote, quote unquote future proof. Um, that said, it will be a feature on the new iOS update within a year, I guarantee it, or probably already is, <laughs> you know, you'll be able to use kind of this as just day of life, uh, you know, daily, daily life. And I think that that's the same with a lot of the quote unquote AI you know, and I say quote unquote, because we've had AI for years, you know, it's right. not a new thing. 
um, when you log into Netflix and it tells you, hey, these are the next, you know, the next recommendations. And Breakout's using that too. Like we have that now where you tell me that you're a social, a social studies teacher and you want to focus on these grades. When there's a new game, it'll be pushed to you and, you know, similar to the Netflix style. That's AI, even though it's not as, uh, you know, quote unquote magic as, a, <laughs> as other things that we label, but it's kind of amazing. You know, I had those decisions to make, and I had those conversations with other administrators. You know, does your school use AI? No, we don't do that. Well, are you using uh, Canva, right? Canva has all those AI features. Are you allowing that? Oh, of course we are. Okay, well, then then you do have or you do need some kind of an AI policy. You do need to have, you know, something that's in there to be aware that you're using this and protect it. And those are the different sessions that I'm looking forward to at FETC. Those are the, the 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 booths that I'm looking forward to running in. And and those are the types of topics that I'm looking forward to bringing you guys each and every week here on TeacherCast. Adam, I'm looking forward to getting down to Florida to see you. It is odd that you and I live about an hour away from each other. And the only way we see each other is to fly to Denver or to Orlando. <laughs> or, you know, I, I was just talking to, to somebody who lives... 45 minutes away in Connecticut. And the only time I see her is if we get in an airplane and we fly across the country, but that's somehow that's sometimes that's how that whole thing works. It, it is. Unfortunately, it's uh, I have, I have other good friends that live, you know, very close as well. And it's the same story. It's like, yeah, very, very seldom do we get together, but you know, the nice thing is, and this, this is kind of a nice way to wrap it is like at FETC. And, and that's a really prime example of an event where you get to go and meet people, re-meet people, hang out with people that you have followed for years, that you you know have followed their work for years. And uh, it feels like you were just with them five minutes ago. So it'll be, it'll be great to see you in person as well. There's a lot of great things that Adam's going to be doing at FETC. He's got a session called How EdTech Innovation is Improving Education for the Future. A CEO panel happening on Thursday, January 25th at 11 o'clock. He's doing a session called Empowering Entrepreneurs, Nurturing Innovation in Education. I'd love to check that out. Uh, again, that's Thursday the 25th at 2.30. He's got his Future of Teaching, his Tech Share Live happening on Friday at 1 o'clock. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, Adam. You have an Expo Hall tour with Adam Bello on Friday at 10 o'clock. I'm doing my my workshop session at 1030. How do I get you to bring all of FETC into my workshop on Friday? Well, I think it's just the natural lead. You know, if yours is at 1030, we'll just tell them to leave in the middle and, and go to your session. It's uh... <laughs> I'm trying everything possible to fill this room. I even promised uh, Gabriel Carrillo that I would have food just so he could do his food tour of FETC through my workshop session. I want to make sure that we have enough people in here having a good time. Adam, where can people get a hold of you uh, either at the conference or online to, uh, to, yeah. to get some Adam Bellow goodness? Uh, sure. Well, I am going to be at FETC. Super excited about that. So you'll see me in the halls or feel free to reach out via any of the socials. Uh, every social I have is just at Adam Bellow and I'll be happy to kind of connect and engage. And uh, yeah, that's a pr pretty easy person to reach and then always happy to chat. I I'm just going to go nerd on this last question here. This is totally off book. We didn't plan this, but it just came out this week. What are your thoughts of the new Mandalorian and Grogu movie announcement? Uh, cautiously optimistic. Is that uh, a fair assessment? The verse continues. Uh, yeah. My, I, I was talking about that with my son this morning, actually at breakfast and he was, he was, pretty excited but uh he's like hey we're getting kind of uh you know the short end over here because 
it would have been an eight hour series. Now we're getting an hour and a half or two. So I was like, all right. And that's my only thought is we, we've had 16 or 18 hours of content already on these two. Some not even in a series called the Mandalorian. What are we going to do in a 90 minute run? And, and, and <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the 2020s. Trust me. The movie's going to be two and a half hours. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, thanks so much. I appreciate all the help here over the over the you know twelve years of being supportive of TeacherCast and uh, helping me turn an octopus into a fish. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Sounds good, Jeff. I'll see you soon. And again, we want to say thank you to our good friend Adam Bello for all of his time and support over the last twelve and a half years of TeacherCast. Again, I'm looking forward to seeing him down at FETC and checking out all of his great presentations and sessions down there in Florida. We want to say one last time, thank you guys for joining us today, making TeacherCast a part of your professional development network. Don't forget we have our Ask the Tech Coach show, which drops every single Monday, and we are now also producing our Digital Learning Today show. If you're looking to move that needle in your classrooms, check out all of the great shows, and if you'd like to be a guest on any of these shows, please come over to teachercast.net and fill out our feedback and contact forms. I would love to have you guys featured on this show. And that wraps up this episode of the Jeff Bradbury Podcast. On behalf of everybody here, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at TeacherCast or online at www.teachercast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.